You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. And it's brought to you by Ion Blue, providing 100% renewable carbon neutral energy for your electric vehicle. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of The Driven. My name is Nigel Morris. I'm the Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. And my favorite thing to talk about is electric motorcycles, as you listeners, I'm sure, would be aware, and even better when you're talking about a Harley-Davidson Livewire, because I happen to own one, and I've got a growing small group of friends who also own them. This podcast is going to be an interesting one because what uh, you're about to hear is hopefully a kind of blow-by-blow adventure on an electric Harley-Davidson, a live wire that is about to set probably the first record for uh, a very, very long-range trip in Australia, about 3,500 kilometres, in fact. Um, So I'm going to introduce our guest in a minute, but just to set the scene, uh, if you if you travel, put your cast your mind back to the 1980s. Traveling around Australia was a, a lot more challenging than it is today. Um, you know, fuel wasn't as readily available. Uh, seals weren't necessarily uh, roads weren't ne- weren't necessarily sealed. And um, back in the early 80s, a Sydney younger Sydney man named Ed Derriman set out uh, on a number of different adventures uh, on motorcycles to traverse the countryside and really picked the sort of really wanted to go and explore and find how far he could push the bike, how far he could travel across what was, even even only back in the 80s, a, a lot tougher and a lot more dangerous place to travel. Uh, his, uh, his tales about uh, travelling in those remote areas were captured uh, forever, in fact, uh, on some wonderful Super 8 film, uh, which uh, which Ed was a, a a bit of a a bit of a fan of and uh, put together some great footage which is up on the Driven website on a story about his trip. Nonetheless, uh, Ed has reached a point now where he's decided, well, I'm not too old for adventures, but let's do it a little bit differently. Let's see if we can't do it electric style. And um, cutting a long story short, he uh, decided after being inspired by watching Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman travel up across uh, South America, up into North America on Harley-Davidson Livewires, that there was a great opportunity for him. He uh, zipped out, uh, came home with a Harley-Davidson Livewire and has been planning his trip ever since. And he joins me uh, at the other end of the microphone. G'day, Ed, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Nigel. Yeah, that was quite a nice intro. Well, I'm glad to hear that, mate. And, um, you know, you must be, you must be, you're heading off tomorrow. So you must be feeling the kind of trepidation and nerves that uh, everyone does when you're getting ready for a, for a fairly epic trip like this. Are you, how are, you, how are the nerves? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. I, um, I uh, took the bike out for a test run today with all the luggage on it. And uh, there's 30 kilos of luggage with all the cables and everything else I'm carrying. And, uh, yeah, I've got those, those, um, pre-adventure nerves have I got everything packed uh is it all going to work you know is anything going to break all what those sort of que- all those questions <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well good on you and uh and so you know for, for for the benefit of the listeners uh tomorrow uh which is going to be the 19th of July 
Uh, Ed is heading off uh, for a 3,500-kilometre trip, which is a very, very long trip on any motorcycle, let alone on an electric motorcycle. The challenge, of course, is going to be for Ed to, to manage to do that trip and to, to get charging along the way, uh, to, to have an adventure. Um, and you're heading all the way to Cape Tribulation, right? Yeah, well, I, I looked on the maps and basically decided I will go as far as a bitumen goes because the bike's not designed to do uh, rugged dirt tracks. Uh, like some of the earlier rides I did in the 80s. But, um, yeah, all the way to Cape Tribulation. But um, the difference on this trip is that I'm not taking the freeways. I'm basically taking mountain roads and back roads all the way through New South Wales. No freeways at all. And um, and as much as I can in Queensland, doing do much the same. So the best, most enjoyable roads for motorcycling. And, um, yeah, take my time and in, enjoy the journey. I looked at your map and you have you you've just about going to tick off every good motorcycling road between Sydney and Cairns it would appear, which is just going to make the trip that much more enjoyable. And of course, you know, maybe a little bit lower speed than sitting on the highway, but a whole lot less boring, a whole lot more fun, and and of course better for range, right? Yeah, well, it was a combination of those two things, Nigel. We um, in 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 planning it and Google Maps uh, with a function called My Maps made it really a lot easier than the old days where, you know, by just tracing the, the roads, you can get the route lengths between point A and point B and so forth. So I basically plotted a path up through the mountains and up the coast or wherever you can, anyone can see that live on, on, on Google Maps if, uh, if you share the link. Um, and yeah, so taking the back roads is, is by, by, its own, by its own nature is going to mean that I will be going slower because I'm not sitting at 110 on the freeway. It'll be probably 80 to 100 k's an hour in the back, on back roads uh, with more slowing down, engine braking and so forth. And, uh, and then the charging was the other part. I had to sort of plot the route to be able to pick up charging stations along the way. Um, now tell me about that. Are you are you mostly aiming for fast charging, or mostly aiming for what we call slow charging, just charging with the with the charger on board the bike? Um, bit of both. Basically, I, yep. my part of the plan was to do around three hundred to three hundred and fifty kilometres per day, yep. um, charging overnight. So I'll leave home with a full charge. Um, I'll do one DC fast charge for lunch or thereabouts. And then maybe a top-up DC fast charge if if there are any. Um, and then I would wherever I'm staying, I've arranged to be able to plug in to a normal power point to just to do the slow charge overnight. So basically, so just, it's pretty well 50-50. 50-50, right? And and so just like your your wonderful Super 8 footage that I was watching, where you turned up at a petrol station in the early 80s in the middle of nowhere, 400k leg between fuel stops and turned up and sure enough there was no petrol and so you know these are the same kind of challenges in a different way and and if i'm not mistaken ed it's that adventure of that that, that sort of spirit of adventure of okay i'm pushing the boundaries here a little bit but can i do this combined with combined with a holiday right <laughs> yeah exactly right um you know i look back to those trips and and as i said to you the other day the um the when we came back from Ayers Rock down the Sturt Highway, it was about 600 kilometres of dirt back then, where now I think it's sealed all the way. Um, yep. So, yeah, and Ayers Rock was two or 300 k's of dirt and it was sand and, you know, they were really, real. and you, you camp next to the rock. Those days are gone. You, it's all, you know, fly in, fly out and bitumen and so forth. So the adventure is, um, 
it's still nice to visit these things, but the adventure's gone. So the electric motorcycle was a way of doing it, and I'm older now, and, <laughs> and I might be camping. I'm going to live it up a bit, but yeah, it's 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 uh, it, there's adventure in it because it's not straightforward. It's not straightforward. Exactly right, and you really. It really rang home to me when uh, when we were chatting the other day about this trip, and you said, you know, in in five years' time, maybe ten, but probably in five years' time, it'll be easy. You can jump on your bike or jump in your car, and you can travel pretty much. You'll be able to travel pretty much anywhere in Australia. There'll probably be a DC fast charger. If not, there'll certainly be a hefty AC charger, and the 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 facilities to charge electric vehicles will be much more common. And so. There's a closing window of opportunities for uh, for this to be the challenge that it is, and uh, you know, good on you, mate, for for taking off. Now, now let's get to um, we're we're running out of time quickly, so let's let's get to your preps. So, you, what have you done with your bike? I, I I know you've got a screen on it. I saw you'd you'd added some luggage today. Have you made any other modifications to the bike? No, not really. Um, I've just. Uh studied the different types of luggage that was available and um, to, to best suit the bike because you can't easily put racks on them and so forth and um, so yeah it's, it's just pretty well the bike standard apart from the um, the uh, little fairing screen that I put on it to to make that a bit easier um, yeah it's pretty well stock uh, the right, only so other uh, just you know taking obviously the level one charger to be able to plug into a PowerPoint each night I bought myself a little um, level two lead, a single phase, two meter long lead. So it's really compact and lightweight. So uh, that's my backup plan if the DC fast chargers are, are offline. Um, right up Queensland uh, on the Bruce Highway, there's DC fast charging as well as level two. Right, right. But you, you take, you've got to take a cable with you in case there's not a cable. Well, there is the no charger. cables. They are bring your own cables, I believe, for oh, the boys. Is that, oh, good research, good research. There you go. Yeah, okay. So you got to carry a few kilos of copper and uh, plastic around in the back of your in the back of your bag to just in case uh, there isn't a cable there. Yeah, okay. And so other than that, the bike's completely stock. Uh, how's the forecast looking, mate? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, two weeks ago it was looking fantastic, but we've got this big uh, lot of cloud coming up from Antarctica at the moment, so it's looking like it's going to be raining for the first four days. Um, at least it's not pouring. It's not, yeah. not, it's not flooding rain, but uh, it looks like you know, for, you know, a few millimeters to ten millimeters of rain, which will, will make it interesting. I'm all prepared for that, but it won't be as enjoyable, obviously. <laughs> well, the only good thing I, I remember about some of the touring I've done is, you know, when you're moving all the time like that, sometimes you can you can outrun the weather. So, you know, fingers crossed, uh, uh, you, you're going to hit some some beautiful weather. You've got uh, you've got a few days ahead of you before your first break. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm basically while well, I'm going up through New, uh, New South Wales, I'm caught catching up with a few friends just outside of Coffs and um, at up in Byron Bay. Yep. Um, and then, then again in uh, north of Brisbane, and then after that, I'm on my own, uh, right up to to uh, the Cape, and then I come back and meet my wife in Port Douglas on the fifth of August. So it's about two and a half weeks on the road solo. Beautiful. And we were chatting about that because, of course, the challenge with uh, charging stations out there at the moment is that most of them will only accept one vehicle. So as much as uh, I'd love to take two and a half weeks off and come with you, it would make sense because 
we'd take twice as long, unfortunately, due to the charging infrastructure we've got right now. Well, we can do that later, Nigel. Uh, might, might, once these, uh, we, we get to the point of getting multiple charges out there, uh, which is going to happen pretty quickly, as you know. The state government's investing a lot of money in this, and uh, and their brief is that if any charges go in, DC fast charges, they have to have a minimum of four DC fast charge stations per, per location. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So that's not, not we too long, Nigel. Not, not, <laughs> we'll plan a holiday. Yeah, that's it, man. We'll, we'll get away for a ride. Ed, sadly, we're out of time. But, mate, I, Ron, I really wish you the best of luck. I was hoping to be able to escort you out of town. But, unfortunately, I'm at a conference tomorrow and you're going to get an early start, I'm sure. So, mate, uh, keep the rubber side down. And uh, what we're going to do, listeners, is I'm going to check in with Ed during his trip a couple of times. And so the next time you hear from us, he'll be on the road. He'll have stories for us about how things are going. And, mate, I, uh, I wish you the very best of luck and I look forward to speaking to you real soon. Thanks, Nigel. Yeah, I look forward to keeping in touch. Well, listeners, welcome back uh, to part two of... Uh, this episode of The Driven. Uh, we've been following uh, Ed's progress as he navigates up the coast on probably what is the longest trip ever done on a Harley-Davidson live wire. And I've got Ed on the line. Ed, how's it going? Oh, it's going really good, Nigel. I've um, covered 3,000 kilometres and haven't had too much drama. So, yeah, it's, it's been good. Beautiful. 3,000 k. So you're, what, like three quarters of the way home? Well, I think the distance calculation I was a little bit short, but I'll, I'm, I'm in a place called Bowen in Queensland. Um, it's 2,950 odd k's, I think, from where I started. Um, and I've got a 440k day tomorrow, and then there's still another few hundred k's to get to the Cape. So, And then I've got to come back to Port Douglas and Cairns. So, yeah, <laughs> it's... Uh, it's a it's a tad further than I thought, but that's fine. It's it's been all fantastic riding all the way up. Oh, brilliant, brilliant! So, are you on schedule? Yeah, spot on. I'm I'm absolutely on schedule. I haven't had any dramas with charging. Interestingly enough, out of all the charges that, are, as you know, are just single DC fast charges, although some in New South Wales were, were twins. Um, I've only had one situation where I had to wait for about ten minutes for a Tesla to come back and unplug. Uh, but other than that, I've just ridden straight up to the DC fast chargers and um, and got charging straight away. Uh, it's actually easier than what I thought it would be. Um, really? How so? Well, well firstly, that the, the ChargeFox system is brilliant, like with the apps that you just basically pull up, trigger the app to, to start charging and and away you go. And the DC fast charging is quite quick for the first fifty or sixty percent of the of the of the fill. Um, so by the time you go and uh, have a have a comfort stop and um, grab a drink or some lunch or a coffee or whatever, it doesn't take long for the bike to get to. Yeah, you know, thirty minutes. When, oh, there's a video I posted today. Thirty minutes to go from two percent to sixty five percent. I saw I saw that one actually, and I've been. It, you've posted some fantastic videos for those who are interested in, in seeing what um, Ed's been up to and where he's been and the different conditions he's had to face. Uh, you've posted some fantastic videos. And that one of you 
today, you know, managing your mileage and your speed and, and doing your calculations, it, it was a great example of what you've had to, had to grapple with. And, and, and is that, is that sort of been a common occurrence through the trip where, where, where basically you're having to go, okay, I've got to do some calculations here about how fast I can travel and what my energy consumption will be to get to the next destination? Well, yes and no. Like on some of the longer stretches, you've got to manage your, your, your range. Now, a couple of things that you might have noticed in the posts that one is when I was starting off in the morning, the battery temperature was sometimes down 11 or 12 degrees. And that first half of, the, of, the, of that run would get lower range than normal, even at the same speeds as when the battery's warmer. So yep. um, you just need to be aware that you can't just set off thinking, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I should make it. You can't just assume you're going to make it. You have to figure it out. Uh, as I posted in the um, uh, earlier, that if you drive a Tesla, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you try and drive too fast and you've got the GPS set, the Tesla will tell you to slow down to a, a particular speed to get to your destination. But it does it all. It computes it itself. Well, with what I've been doing is I've been looking at um, the predicted range based on, on historical consumption. So it'll tell you, for instance, that you're going to get 90 kilometres 90 kilometres to go, and then you look at your distance that you've got to travel, and if that's, say, at 80 kilometres, you know you've only got a 10-kilometre buffer. Now, if you keep driving fast and you see that difference dropping from 10 to 9 to 8 to 7, you've got to slow down or you, or you may not make it unless you're within the, the kilometres of the charger. If that, does that make sense? It makes lots of sense to me, and and, and I, I think your video did a, was, a, was a great explanation of you know, two things. One, the, the, the little bit of extra effort that you've got to go to to, you know, adjust, as you're explaining, different speeds and different conditions and temperatures and everything else, whereas, you know, all vehicles in the future will undoubtedly calculate that all for you so you don't have to work it out. But right now, right now, you've got to use your brains all the way. Yeah, you've got to practice some mental arithmetic. So long as you can add and subtract, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> the um, altitude makes a big difference. So I sort of got caught out a bit coming up through the mountains uh, we're in, the, um, we're in the dams, dam area, uh, Fernvale area west of Brisbane, um, doing exactly what I said. And I, I didn't realise there was a really big climb over the mountains. And I, 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 I had my 10 or, 10 or 12 kilometre buffer. But by the time I got to the mountain, I was minus eight. Um, but then I figured, well, I've got to come all the way back down. I could see the coast. And as you know, with the Harley, it has regenerative braking, which I had set at 100%. So I was staring yep. down through these really tight twisties, you know, 35, 45 kilometre bends and wasn't, didn't really use the brakes much at all, just kept regening. And by the time I got onto the, the flat country through Strathpine towards the coast, I was back up to sort of plus 10 again. So beautiful. It, 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 it got me out, out of trouble there. Um, Nice, yeah. nice. And and have you had any problems so far? How's the bike been behaving for you? The bike's just handling everything I throw at it. As you know, earlier in the trip, I put it through some pretty rough terrain with all the gravel and mud and dirt and rough roads and torrential rain. And you know, it, it, it's it's handling better than any motorcycle I've ever every any road motorcycle I've ever owned compared to yeah for the conditions I'm putting it through. Um, wow. Yeah, and uh, it, you know all the all the things that 
that we enjoy driving, riding the Harley drive wire is just that next level when you're riding through beautiful countryside like you've seen on the videos. Um, the other thing, <laughs> in, case, in case you were, don't ask the question, I have to say to you, one of the other things I'm doing is I'm checking through PlugShare to make sure that the charges are operational. Um, so you can Very see, important, yep. yep. See, tomorrow I have one of the longest runs I, i'll have to sort of say i had one of the longest runs planned which was going to be 165 kilometers um yep. between charging now i've got a big day tomorrow i've got to do 440 kilometers in one day and one of yeah, those that's a, that's one a of those between charges is 165 but in checking i found out that the one that i get to at the end of that 165 is out of order oh um, so i check to see where the next one is and I've called Chargebox and to their credit they've got a 24 by 7 uh, helpline and I just rang to confirm that the the DC fast charger is still out of action which they've confirmed it is but the but the level 2 charger is at, is still working so I've got a backup plan at that particular spot but it'll be a very slow charge however another 40 k's off the road is another DC fast charger from Chargebox and it is operational so tomorrow right. I try and drive 208 kilometres on one charge. Um, nice. So I'll be reporting on that one for sure because uh, although I sort of joke about range anxiety and you know I don't, well, I am a little bit worried about how how it's going to travel. Uh, at least it'll have a warm battery because I would have charged twice before I get to that last spot. Uh, yeah, least, that'll help. Yeah, so it makes a big difference when you when your batteries are really warm. So, yeah. And what's the what's the best thing that's happened along the way so far, Ed? What's the thing that stands out as the the coolest or or, or the best thing that uh, that you've experienced so far? Um, I I th- you might yeah well, look I think the it's hard to just to to pick the best because I've ridden through some amazing roads, but we've had a bit of fun along the way. You you saw one of my mates place in Redcliffe. We put the bike in. in Um, that was fun, um, particularly riding down the corridor. But it was also. I'm just going to stop you, Ed, because you broke up a little bit. But I know what you were talking about. You, you would. Ed was describing how when he, when he got to one of his mates' places, there was nowhere to charge in the car park, so they just pushed the bike into the lift, took it upstairs, pushed it down the hall, pushed it straight into his mate's apartment, and and plugged it in in the warmth of the apartment, which was. <laughs> A fabulous little example of how versatile an electric vehicle, electric motorcycle is particularly because no oil, no fumes, no smell, no noise. And you can just quietly, stealthily push it down the, push well, it down the hall of your apartment. Actually, Nigel, I rode it down the corridor, so that was even more fun. Um, ah. it, it, as you know, this, this trip was, I think, was inspired by the long way up, and that's exactly what they did. Those guys had the, the, the Harleys parked in the foyers of hotels charging to keep them out of the cold. So um, it was a bit like that. And then the other funny thing was yesterday when I pulled up at Marlborough and the petrol station had all the bowsers were ripped out, but the DC fast charging was still working so I could charge and the cars couldn't fill up. So oh, <laughs> that's uh, the irony of that is, uh, is just incredible, isn't it? Just incredible. What's the biggest lesson you've learned so far, do you reckon? Um, planning. Absolutely. Like, as, as you're aware, I planned this whole trip 
in terms of the legs between charges, where I was going to stay, the rough distances per day, did all that on Google Maps. So I'm using the Google Maps plan every day. I check what I've got to do before I do it. I check to see if the charges are in place. I think that's the big difference. If you don't have a plan at this point in time for EV travel, you probably get into trouble because you don't have all the options of filling up like you do with it with an internal combustion car um, yep. or motorcycle. It's like you need, really need to plan the trip, see where the charges are, then check in advance that they're, they're available and where possible have a backup plan. So, you, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're not going to get like it tomorrow, if I don't make it to that DC fast charger, I know that there's another way to charge at a place called Cardwell. Um, yep. I might have to wait for an hour or two to get enough power to get to the next stop. But planning and also understanding how the vehicle uh, consumes power and what, what, how to manage that, as I've, put, as I've, I think, fairly clearly demonstrated in the video I posted today. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So how many? Uh, we've got to wrap up now because uh, we've got to save a little bit of time in this episode for the, for the final interview when you arrive, mate. But how many Ks have you got to go now? Um, I think it's about... Oh, yeah, it'd be probably close to 700 now. So it'll be close yep. to 1,700 Ks when I get to the Cape. I say close because yep. I know I'm going to do a little bit of sightseeing once I get up to um, the Atherton Tablelands and, and the Cairns area. So, yeah, so, and all going well. Brilliant, brilliant. Oh, well, I've got a good buddy and a, and a fellow electric motorcyclist, actually, that I uh, that I might send you his details. He's up around the Atherton Tablelands, uh, and I know he's got a big off-grid power system, so if you get stuck, he's a perfect place to go uh, for a top-up. I think he might even have three-phase there, uh, Ed. Um, but he's certainly an EV aficionado, aficionado, so I'm going to send you his details just in case you need a backup plan coming through there. Mate, yeah. I'm going to let you go because I know you, you want to catch up with your friends, have a good night's sleep, and get ready for a big day today. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for posting all your videos. For the listeners, if you haven't checked them out, do jump online and have a look at some of the wonderful footage that Ed's got uh, uh, showing his adventures on the way up. And, mate, I look forward to speaking to you in a couple of days, well, probably a week or so, right, when you arrive. Yeah, I'll be in Cape Tribulation. If all goes to plan, I'll arrive on the 3rd of August and I'll be back in Port Douglas on the 5th. Brilliant, mate. Well, listen, keep the rubber side down. Keep enjoying yourself. Uh, I'm still jealous. I'm jealous every day knowing that you are out there just flying up the East Coast on an electric motorcycle. What a great way to spend the day. Have a ball, mate. I'll talk to you soon, all right? Okay, thanks, Nigel. All the best. Well, listeners, we're back. We're uh, we're actually at the final episode now. We've spoken to Ed as he was getting ready to leave on his big trip. Uh, we spoke to him uh, about two two thirds of the way on his trip, and right now he's precariously perched somewhere near a crocodile, a crocodile infested creek uh, in the middle of the Daintree. Uh, Ed, welcome back. Hi, Nigel. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be here, actually. <laughs> Yeah, mate, congr- massive congratulations. You've uh, you've undoubtedly set a new Australian record, a, a first ever, uh, for a long-distance ride on an electric motorcycle, I would suggest, of, of any type, and certainly uh, the biggest journey ever on uh, a live wire in Australia. So um, 
I'm insanely jealous. Well done, man. You're uh, you're changing the world one long ride motor one long motorcycle ride at a time. And I have to say, some of the footage you've put up online is 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 just motorcycle heaven. Those roads, they're, they're just amazing. So tell me, how are you feeling? You you made it. Yeah, I look, I, I feel quite. Uh pleased with myself actually and uh, you know the it uh it's been a fun ride like the best roads ever like particularly that last one from younger Barra back into Cairns um it, it was just it's just been really good uh, it's been an adventure without being too extreme um excellent uh, yeah it's been great nice nice so let, let's um let's talk about the last leg of your journey um did everything go to plan? What What are some highlights and lowlights from that from that last section? Clearly, the highlights, undoubtedly, the great motorcycle riding roads. What What about some lowlights? Do you have any challenges? Um, oh, look the the only one that one challenge which I put up as a video was stretching the range of the bike because one of the fast charges was out of order. Um, but that was actually I I knew I could make it. I just had to figure out how. Um. Uh, the rain as I went up the mountains into the Atherton Tablelands, the views up there are spectacular, but um, it was absolutely belting down, pelting down with rain, and it, uh, it, it was that was it would have been nicer to arrive on a nice day up there. But you know, other than that, the trip's been quite uh, uneventful in terms of problems. Like I've got a whole lot of toolkits and bits and pieces of everything that I thought I might need. I have it's all still tucked away under the seat. The charging's been no problem. Um, as I said in my last interview, it was actually easier than I expected. Didn't have to queue or wait for any into any charger. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, and it's sort of been easier than I expected. One thing I must say, I, I did mention before that the planning, the the, the route planning, that yes. was critical, and I followed that pretty well the whole way, except for where my GPS led me astray because I didn't. Uh, tell it I wanted to go a different way you know I've all my planning's been back roads and you've got to be careful when you set the GPS that it doesn't take you the shortest route yeah um, or the main roads or whatever so uh, yeah it's been all good all the accommodations worked out well so um, that's get you that's, know the first around through my head is what am I going to do next <laughs> yeah. Well, that was that was my last question. We'll come to that because uh, I'm sure you've been thinking about it now. It's always the way when you've had a big adventure and a bit of a holiday. But by the time it comes to the end, you, you're kind of wondering what's next. But I'm sure you've been thinking about that. Now, let's talk about that long leg because I was absolutely fascinated by um, your video, actually, which is exceptional, Ed. I have to say the way you um, described ha- how you can effectively manage a, an electric motorcycle with a relatively small capacity um, and 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 using the combination of the, the the GPS distance and and adjusting your speed so that the bike's computer effectively updates its prediction based on your current running speed and and that was how you managed to get through and we t- actually talked about this on our, on um, on solar insiders the other day because I noticed that Google Maps, are planning an update very, very soon that allows you to select your transportation mode as electric vehicle, which allows you then to select roads that are the most efficient uh, uh, or or might perhaps have more charging infrastructure or other things like that, which would be so helpful. But you you had to do this the old school way. Yeah, look, uh, pretty well old school, but learning from having driven a Tesla a lot and and electric cars, because I have had electric cars for seven years, 
in a Tesla, as if, if there's uh, Tesla drivers out there, they'll know that if you're going too fast on a run and with the GPS activated, it will tell you to slow down to make your destination. And it's basically just comparing the watt hours per mile, per kilometre, which is about similar to litres per kilometres for the non-electric guys. Um, so it compares what you're using to what you've got and it tells you to slow down to a point where it knows it's going to make it because your energy consumption drops dramatically as you slow down. Yep. Uh, so what I was doing is a similar thing because the Harley hasn't got that uh, GPS built in, but the, using Google Maps, I could see the exact distance to the charger because I was just plugging that in from the destination from PlugShare. Uh, so I knew exactly the distance to the charger. And a lot of people make the mistake thinking that the predicted kilometres on your trip computer are what it's actually going to be, but that's based on historical uh, use of the vehicle. So because I had been travelling at higher speeds um, previously, still in legal speeds, but at higher speeds, it was pessimistic about its capabilities. And uh, by slowing down, Starting off the day slow, I was picking up a lot of distance. So um, stop me if I'm going to, if the answer's too long. But basically, no, no, I, no. I, I was 25 kilometres short, according to the trip computer. I had like a, yep. um, uh, 182 kilometres of range, but I had to do 207. So I set off in the morning while I've had a full battery. When there's plenty of energy to conserve, you you know you conserve what from the beginning, not at the end. You don't wait till you realise you're not going to make it and try and slow down. It's too late. So you slow by going at 60 k's an hour for the first 50 k's. I closed that gap from being 25 uh, kilometre deficit to being 160 kilometres even, and nice. uh, and I continued to ride slow uh, and built up a 10 kilometre buffer. Uh, so I had 10 kilometres more range than predicted distance. And then I progressively sped up to 70, 70, 80 and, and tried to maintain that 10 kilometre buffer. And as soon as I got to 80, it started to, to very slowly go negative again. It started to go from 10 to 9.5 or 9. And so I knew that was a bit too fast. So then I slowed to 75 and that pretty well held it constant at a 10 kilometre gap. Nice. And then as he, I got closer, the destination i sped up because i knew i could make it so you could make it i love the logic yeah. it's great great logic give me a give me a sense ed because i haven't been able to work this out on my live wire how how um how much time do you think is involved in the range prediction on the live wire catching up to your current speed like do you do you need to be riding for half an hour 15 minutes an hour before it sort of starts to adjust what 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 was your experience Oh, uh, it's, it was 50 kilometers. Uh, so it was closer to an hour. About an um, hour. Yeah. Yep. Apparently I recall from that, there's a guy called Ben Marshall in the U S that's done long distance touring. And he, there is apparently a setting where you can change. There's two settings that in terms of how quickly the bike calculates its range. Oh, really? Um, apparently there's something in the software that you can set. I haven't gone looking for it because I, I figured it out the way I've just described, but apparently you can, you can uh, change how it, the, the formula on how it works, but not sure of that. That's just something I noticed Ben mentioned. 
Nice. Oh, well, that's a good that's a good tip for live wire owners for all thirty of us. Um, al- along the way, um, you also mentioned that uh, one of the one of the pleasant surprises you got was a a bunch of motorcycle groups uh, expressing interest and wanting some education on on electric uh, motorcycles, right? Yes. Yeah. The administrators of two different groups uh, contacted me and uh, asked me to post on their on their groups, which I did. Um, that opened up a lot of discussion, <laughs> some of it very uh, critical. Uh, the, the Downing Thomas is out there. Um, uh, but, but in saying that, after I posted the last video, both, both administrators were very supportive. Uh, after I posted the last video, one of them has actually contacted me and asked me to call in on the way back because he's got stuff he wants to talk about. So, you know, it's been very, uh, very good for them and their members, I think, to uh, open awesome. their eyes to what's possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome, yep. awesome. Oh, that's I, that's great. I think, I think on that point too, that a lot of people, when it comes to electric vehicles like cars, they think if they've only got you know two or three or four hundred k's of range, that it's not enough. Well, you know, I've yep. just done it on a motorcycle that can only really get about one hundred and thirty, one hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty kilometers at a hundred k's an hour. Yep. So, you know, effectively, my range was one hundred and thirty. Um, but I was able to do a nearly a 4,000-kilometre trip up the east coast of Australia with the existing infrastructure that's there. So mm-hmm. when you get an electric car that's got 400 k's of range, which most of them have these days, it's not restricted if you're going to be doing these sorts of trips. It's only restricted by the, by the lack of DC fast charging infrastructure. Um, and that's getting built out quite quickly. So I think the future's bright in that respect. I couldn't agree more, mate. And and I think, you know, going right back to our, our first chat at the beginning, you know, one of your ambitions was certainly to educate people and show them, you know, what was possible. And I think the fact that some of these groups have reached out and and, and are taking an interest is uh, is is vindication for you and, and proof that you set out that, that that goal that you set out to achieve, you, you've, you've absolutely nailed, mate. So well done on that one, too. So, so you know, coming back to your point, what's next? What now, Ed? You, you're a couple of days off to... Rest your saddle sore backside. Uh, catch up with your wife. Uh, pack the bike up to ship it back. Uh, uh, have you have you um, have you been dreaming of the next trip on the way up on this one? Not till I got here. Um, I am certainly thinking about what what will I do next. Um, I think once I get back and I've got some time to study Google Maps and and PlugShare and figure out you know where all the charging infrastructure is. So. I would certainly be looking at planning a, a similar sort of trip. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how far yet. It'll depend on the infrastructure. But, yeah, there'll be another trip. Hopefully uh, uh, you, you, yourself and Thomas might be able to join me on one of them. Um, but, yeah, there'll be another trip for sure. That'd be um, lovely. And I know, I know Duncan Mallord, who did the lowest to the highest point, he's, he was talking about a trip uh, across the Nullarbor. Uh, so, uh, I know he's getting re- I know he's starting to gear up to do a trip from the east to the west too, uh, which, which got me interested. So I'm sure there's opportunities out there, mate, but listen, we're, we're sadly out of time. It's, it's been an absolute, um, delight watching your escapades. I've just been so jealous the whole way, wishing I was with you, mate, but you know, rain, hail or shine, you, you've been out there, you, you've, you've educated people, you've, uh, you've shown what's possible and you've had a good time along the way. Uh, and you absolutely did it, mate. So a massive congratulations and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Nigel. It's been a pleasure.
You're welcome, mate. Well, friends, that's a wrap. My name is Nigel Morris. I'm Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics, and I'm obsessed with electric motorcycles. I hope you learned something about the world of electric vehicles. Thanks for tuning in, and bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by Ion Blue. Ion Blue provides 100% renewable carbon neutral energy for your electric vehicle. Many EVs are responsible for significant carbon emissions because Australia's grid is predominantly fossil fuel powered. But for as little as $6 a month, you can clean up your EV. Find out how. Go to ionblue.com.au.